0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with the Wilder Rivera. I'm super excited because I have Brandon Copeland on the show today. You guys might know him on Instagram as Brando Flows. He's an Atlanta native living in D.C. who's the owner and founder of Kefra Wellness, which is an exciting new idea and spin on wellness and bringing yoga and workshops into diverse and unique spaces. So, Brandon, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. We're super excited to have you on, and I can't wait for the listeners to learn more about you. So for people who maybe don't know a lot about you, maybe this is their first time, you know, learning about you and, and interacting with you, tell us a little bit about sort of where you currently find yourself, you know, on your success journey.
1: Uh, well, I'm at the middle of growth. Um, I started out as a uh, Howard University student that was interested in uh, really psychology and philosophy and kind of figuring out where I was in life. Yoga was a great entryway into that. um, And I was able to recognize that my friends might benefit from some of the practices that I was learning. So I started a company, long story, definitely long story short, um, started a company and have been offering yoga classes in DC and around the country ever since. Uh, And so at this point, I'm at the space where I am gathering materials investors, et cetera, to open up a standalone space um, to offer classes and consistently. That's and awesome,
0: a- that's awesome. So let's, can we, let's dig into that a little bit more. Um, I know that you mentioned that you sort of got bit by the wellness bug, if you will, when you were at Howard. Prior mm-hmm. to your exposure to psychology and philosophy and, and yoga in that sort of realm of wellness, what was your experience with, with the wellness world? Is it something you ever thought about being a part of? Or were you um, thinking of more having like a traditional like therapist type job?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there wasn't really – I didn't have a, um, an introduction to the wellness world before that. I didn't even really, you know, understand what wellness was. I guess there are things that I did that made me feel well, like I was a big reader or I was in the art. arts. Um, you know, those were just for me hobbies. It wasn't really, you know, the idea or concept of wellness – um, and so now I didn't have any preconceived notions about it. Um, I think i would taken, no, that was after. Yeah. Yeah. I any other wellness, you know, thing that I had done consciously was done after, you know, walking into a yoga studio.
0: Mm. And can you share a little bit about, you know, as a as a man of color, what your experience was? Because you know, we've we've heard from DJ Townsville, who I I know that you know and are familiar with, and he spoke a little bit about that during his interview. And I'm curious, sort of, what your experience was, especially at Howard, uh, HBCU, where it's very like, you know, the the idea of sort of masculinity maybe a little bit more traditional. So I'm curious how that I would, I would
1: I would push back against that, I think. I think Howard is a very um open place that has a lot of um challenges that really fostered my ability to do this um exploration without feeling pressure. Um I think that the time period that I was in itself might have been a little bit more traditionally focused regarding masculinity, um but Howard has always been a place where from what i've seen in my eight you know, eight years there it felt like it in my um 5 years there that was uh accepting of people um based on their passion for what they were doing um for instance and know uh, my first time living uh, in the same building as a trans student was um so was at my freshman year um uh, where we really hadn't even begun you know as a society having conversations about the issues that trans people go through um, and his her, her excuse me roommate was um, a guy that you would consider traditionally masculine, just kind of like you know was a gang member, you know did but was still at school with us, you know former gang member whatever. And they both got along fine, you know they were they were you know they may have had their differences and they had some disagreements, you know but it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a barrier for them. Um, and so in walking into Yoga, I was more ignored, I think. at school, People don't really understand, you know, kind of what I was doing, but I mean, it was kind of weird. I was much more well-known on campus for other things outside of yoga, so um, this was maybe just in addition to, you know, one of the weird things that guy does. Um, so it, I didn't really, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get much pushback at all, um, and then once people recognized what I was doing, they were more curious and happy that they were able to participate um, in, in in whatever capacity you know just because i had taken those steps um so that's one of the things i really loved about being a howardite and being at howard is that you you know if you're we we, we value passion more than anything so if your passion is about something and you're good at it you know we're, we're down to support you um and so i didn't find any issue Um most of my friends were happy to at least try you know a class that i was offering um once I got certified, you know, and and that was really the place where I found my identity regarding who I was going to be on the yoga mat. Um, Walking into studio spaces outside of that community um, really was, I was bolstered by my knowledge of who I was because of that community. And so, um, you know, I think if it weren't for Howard, I certainly would not be at the level of autonomy and focus that I'm at now. In teaching yoga, um, I don't really look to other institutions, particularly white institutions, at all um, for anything other than maybe the inspiration that I might find anywhere. Uh, when I first came in, everyone was a white woman who was practicing class. For the most, eighty-five to ninety percent in all of the classes that I went to, and that's being generous, I was like I said, a white woman. So it was very different. I was a different, um, had different experiences with that than them. Um, and had a different reason for practicing on a certain level than they did mm-hmm. and, you know, finding finding my um you know lane and purpose within that purpose you know why why like you know what what am I actually coming here for Re- having to analyze things and a perspective that was um introspective instead of looking out for you know people that I could relate to per se um helped me develop a practice. That, um, you know, I've developed into trap yoga and other other things now that's developed into Kepler for wellness. Um, and so it was it was at first it was difficult, um, but like all good things, you know, I was able to pursue it um, and find myself in a way that I'm very happy for. Oh, excuse me. I, I call it's allowed for a lot of people that I know now that are, are entering into the world of yoga to miss a lot of the things that I dealt with. Um, like for the idea that there are even classes that are just for people of color, like in major studios now, was wholly foreign to me just two years ago. You know, and so when we started, mm-hmm. and yeah, when we started our studio and decided to be like, we're not a studio for people of color. To like come and and, and dance in like a, a diversity melting pot that doesn't exist, or a black yoga studio that offers classes that are unique and different, simply for that reason. And we find that other people and other groups feel comfortable because of that. Um, and so, I mean, just even just saying black yoga, studio, like not you know, I don't not hiding from who we are. I think uh, is something that I'm very proud of, and something that was instilled in me at Howard and and through this through this business. And so. Um, yeah, I mean that journey was one that took me a long time, a lot of personal um, understanding, and then a lot of the world stepping back and saying, "Yo, this is cool," or like, "Yeah, you, yeah, we would try that." You know, a lot of a lot of you know, being one of the first people to openly push for this um, has paid off and made it so that I think people like DJ Towns or other folks can feel confident teaching um, teaching classes because it's. it's like, early on, I kind of came into it um, practicing, like way before people were practicing. And then as people began to practice, I started to teach. And so it was like, I know a lot of people that are really up now, like, you know, like a DJ or like, um, you know, just a lot of Black uh, online folks that are doing their thing that are still in that process of becoming students. You know, they're still going through, like I think DJ teaches definitely, but are going through that process of, of finding themselves um, and so having been on this path of teaching for the last, what, like, seven, six, seven years, um, it's just really nice to be able to see that the landscape has changed and that I'm not the only, you know, I'm not the angry black guy in class <laughs> you know, why I'm the only one in here.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple of things that you just... Uh said that I really just want to underscore for the listeners because I I always want to remind them that even if they may not be in the same field as you, Brandon, or if they're, you know, are completely foreign to the idea of yoga altogether, mm-hmm. right, what Brandon is talking about isn't just related to yoga. He's talking about the idea of pursuing a dream where your your own image and people like you may not be reflected in that industry or in that um, corporation or organization or whatever and being brave enough to pursue it and to carve your own path right? because there is a passion for that and there's a resonance and a purpose behind that right so you know everything that he was talking about in terms of his experiences and and it was you know, a, a wonderful that he happened to be in environments that supported that yeah, exploration. Yeah, that was, you the know? Best, I was
1: saying. Like, so, like, that was a blessing for that. Yeah, so
0: the fact that as a man of color, he was in a, a place that was encouraging of that while still Mm -hmm. being a place that he could see a lot of other people that look like him. Right. Right, right. And that could be the foil to his experience going out into the yoga community where nobody looked like him. And everybody
1: just thought I was some weirdo.
0: (laughs) Well, and and utilizing that as an opportunity to see a need to create something for other people that may fall in to the category that he was in is really a um, not just like a beautiful story, right? Oh, even though it is that as well, but it's really a common and important rubric for people that are trying to be trailblazers.
1: Right, right, there right. You go. There you so go. and it's if, funny because even though it's for people who aren't even trying to be, I didn't want to do any of this. <laughs> like I was, like I did, you know, in a way. It's like it's, I think that people think that like you're gonna wake up and the script of, um, you know, Pride the movie is gonna come out where you going <laughs> to go and save the day as the black guy, you know, like that was never my goal. Like, I never even wanted to teach yoga at all. It was the passion with which it healed me as a practice that gave me the passion to, you know, be dragged to, to the share entrepreneurship. it, yeah. right. But that was, I was, I went through entrepreneurship kicking and screaming. Like because it was just like I mean even just becoming a teacher I was just resistant, um, and I think that even having a having operated from an angsty kind of place allowed for me to be very honest with how I felt because it was it's it's not pretty work to tell people you know to what I mean it just wasn't it was brand new so they'd be like no we want to have a class with only black people well now you're a racist and you're all you know it becomes emotional. Yeah. To have the drive to even do something that's a social enterprise like that is going to require not necessarily it's just going to require passion, not even a passion for because social enterprise is not like I'm not getting rich, you know, teaching these classes, but I have I have become rich in lifestyle because the people that I can look around Mm -hmm. and see reflect us, you know, they reflect a, a change. In the world. And
0: then, you know, and then beyond that, you know, and you can jump in here if if I'm like completely off base, but I would bet that all the little seeds that you've sown over all these many years Mm -hmm. have started to bear fruit in the form of various opportunities that are, you know, paying the bills, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Monumentally. Yeah. And and so what I really want people to to like glob onto, like seriously, is the fact that, you know, he said it straight out. Like it wasn't all like rainbows and unicorns and like I'm mm, yeah, gonna no, be the you know, it rainbows. wasn't like I'm gonna be an activist. It wasn't even no, that. It was like, yo, all, no. there is an absence of this. Mm-hmm. I wanna try to do it. I'm you know committed enough passionate enough yeah. and stubborn enough so that right. when people tell me no or it's not possible i'm still going to do it i'm going to do it yeah. right
1: yeah that's that's it that's
0: it and so that's what something that i always try to like highlight for the listeners is like yo you need to have this passion you need to have this fundamental belief in yourself that mm-hmm. you're going to be able to do whatever it takes to accomplish that which you're setting yourself out to do
1: right exactly and that's built over time i think for listeners who like maybe hear stories of people like myself or others it takes time like it, it's not it's not a it, it takes, th- it, you know what it is? It takes you, fi- it's It's like looking for something that you've never seen without any description of what it looks like, where mm-hmm. it is, where it's located. It's called faith, in my opinion. And it's like, if you believe in something long enough and it just won't let you go, you have two options. Either you ignore it and act like it's something that doesn't need to be addressed. This is what I did in my first couple of years at a yoga studio, trying to be as white girl as possible. <laughs> right and you, you find i mean you are you're trying to you know say the right lingo because yoga is very much a community and so finding yourself in it, it's not like you know you're into drills and like the drilling community is being racist like no it's different you're like into a space you get to walk in present yourself your body your whole identity as this thing and then for an hour try to be acceptable for whoever's teaching you right and so it's a very like societally based vulnerability that you feel there. And so it's not something that really in my mind for any other subject I can think of, is not something that is for the faint of heart really, because your emotions <laughs> your emotions are like tied in it. Like these people are looking at your body and saying, no, nah, you ain't you ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, can't or, do this yeah, this way. Yeah. It's like,
0: oh, can you do a handstand? Why are you teaching right, me one? Yeah,
1: right, I, right. And it's as like, a can teacher
0: you... myself in yoga, I've I it's I feel wild. You.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I'm even talking about just from a student's perspective. Like now, I mean, I always knew that I would be intelligent enough to relate information. It was more so, was like, good enough. Am I? Mm-hmm. Am I? Am I white girl enough for this? holy spiritual, blah 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 and then you have to stop and realize like well why why is that what makes the person good enough is it there who the and you should have to, I had to re I had to dismantle my entire idea of who i was what yoga meant what wellness was who it was for and realize kind of all these limiting beliefs i was carrying about mm-hmm. practice that was older than, you know, white
0: women. You know, it's older than it's it's old. Yeah, and so. it was created by people of color. People um, of color,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: But so two things you just said that I really want to, you know, highlight and I want to okay. echo, which is number 1, the idea of defining ourselves externally. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, in Brandon's, you know, in Brandon's lexicon in terms of what we're discussing, you know, it was sort of this wellness demographic which yep. is you know and i've been very open with it that the conversation on my end in terms of saying like when i was 15 and i first was introduced to yoga i was like this is for lazy wealthy white women right, and i yeah. don't mean that racially at all presented. because no, i have I mean, many like it. so many i have a, you know a lot of <laughs> white friends you know that uh-huh, are like uh-huh. my very close friends so yeah. it's not even a racial thing it was just I don't see myself in this practice. Right. Right, So I can understand that whole idea of like, "Mm, if I'm defining myself externally and this is what the external definition of that, then that doesn't match with me. Right. But what Brandon said was he had to do the hard work. Of defining himself from the inside out and saying, what is wellness for Brandon? What is yoga for Brandon? Why am I giving my power away to something else that I saw, right? And it may not have even been, you know, because I know from my personal experience, it wasn't even that anyone said, oh, yoga's not for you or you're not welcome or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was just... A thing that I felt by myself, also yeah. because of the intergenerational traumas that have been passed down and feelings of otherness that right. had nothing to do with whatever yoga studio I went into or whatever oh. yoga teacher right. or whatever the people exactly. were there, right? Exactly. It wasn't so their that's fault. so they important. Just being you know? like, yeah, and they were fault. just being themselves, you know, right. and, and you know, I think. The beautiful part about what Brandon is sharing is that even through his own experience, he's not, you know, he hasn't become now, oh, I only teach yoga to black people. No, no. he said, I created an inclusive space that reflects my experience, and I'm open to any other people coming into that space that also resonate with that, which yep. is what yoga is really about, right? Yes, so, yes. You know, to apply this to you, listener, whoever you may be, you know, if you are in a situation where you're like, oh, well, who am I to create a podcast? Or I don't look like this innovator or I don't look like Mm. this artist or I don't, you know, have the the network of this person who is trying to pitch themselves to do this writing gig or whatever. You have to take a step back and say, is that true? or is that a limiting belief that I'm putting on myself? Is exactly. there some external thing that is affecting the way that I'm thinking and moving in this space that is preventing me from going towards what I need? Right?
1: You're right, and I think that the real question is, is who are you not to? I think if you, I mean, if you have the room to question the fact that something that you feel needs to be done is not being done, then that means that that question has an answer. And so the answer generally is you are the right person. You're thinking about it, you know, but it's like, you don't see the pathway. You don't really have an answer, but, you, but it's like, it's, it's, uh, and I was really into philosophy a lot. And so it's like, they're like, there's, there's either something or there's nothing, right? And there's no like real middle ground. And so when you feel that thought pop into your head, there's something that's there, right? You're noticing, yo, I am not represented in this field. It makes me feel X. right. And so from there, you have two options. Either you do nothing about it or you do something about it. And I think that the change and shift comes when you change it from a negative to a positive, not change how you can adjust to the negative, not change, you know, how um, you think you should be based upon what others have done in the past, but really digging deep and figuring out within yourself. okay, what is it that I need to do? That's the big scary if. Oh, very
0: big. It's very scary, especially, you know, and again, jump in here if you feel like I'm talking crazy. But Uh I think especially in a society where no matter what color you are, what gender you are, people Mm -hmm. are so much more insecure. Like we are just as a society so you know we're struggling we can yeah. we, we're like manic we can be like feeling ourselves one day yeah. and completely like well, we're, we're dystopian like and worried like about everything the other day yeah and a, a, like a good teenagers. friend of mine said the other day it's like yo it's like everyone is just kind of like in a low-key freaking the hell out stage yeah. for like the yeah, last yeah, couple yeah. of years yeah. and it's just like trying to make it right well and so, i think it's
1: yeah i think we're in a period in time especially in our country where we like you said we're like We're becoming young adults as a country, right? We can look back on our past, we can acknowledge that something's right, I mean, wrong wrong or right, and the faculties within the country that have once been ignored, like being responsible or being honest or the things that are very valuable to you as a young adult, are now being called out by the country's conscious. which in my mind is Black people, women, people of color, the, the disenfranchised people. You have immigrants, like yep. Mm-hmm. Right. You have things like Twitter and Facebook and social media that can be a that can kick that can create an equal microphone in our create in our in our um collective voice. And so people who were once didn't even get into the building now have a platform larger say than um others who were dominating. Like I know Politico has like four hundred thousand followers, you know, but like Kanye West has 14 million, you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. the balance of informational, like not that Kanye West was a really good example in this sense, <laughs> but, but you know, like, like regular people and from their living rooms can have millions of people listening to them. So that creates a morality that is societally based. And at this point, if you don't take advantage of that in your field, it's just kind of lazy. It's like, you know, like you have the opportunity to bring focus on, inju- on injustice, you have the opportunity to get your message out, and you have the opportunity to reach a direct audience through the internet that completely usurps any other system that may have gotten in your way. You know, you don't mm. have to go through a yoga studio to find a Black teacher. You can just go find the teacher now, and the studio becomes wherever you are, meet each other. And I think that that type of freedom has changed the way that systems work in our country and ultimately changed our mindset and made everybody really nervous because you were so used to being 15 where you just wake up and do whatever and blah 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 now you got bills to pay you're 20 you know your people yeah exactly you got to do that this is what this just needs to happen and you can hear it and so our country is just very angsty right now. I feel like we don't really know who's in power. We don't know. first it was white men are in power. And now everybody's, if you're a cis white man, you're automatically an oppressor, you know? So it's like we're like going through these changes that I think are good for us. But I mean, it's like that mania. It's almost like acne in my mind. Like we're out a lot of things that have been unjust. We're writing a lot of things with, you know, like if you look at the house, how it was, how, you know, you have... Um, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. ushered in, you know, it's like it's the, we're we're changing, and so I think that that it, as as an intelligent and a very American person, um, I think it's my point to be in this stimulus of change, uh, a, a voice that recognizes the power of wellness. And recognizes the need for it, in um, in my community because you know it's a free modality for Black people to heal themselves. What else do I want? You know, like what else could I possibly want? And so, if you find something like that 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 answers a big question, like I've always wondered, how can Black people save themselves? I found yoga, right? And so, like in in trying to answer that big question, which I may never answer in four hundred years. I now have a purpose that's larger than money. And so with, because of that, I was able to think bigger. And because of that money ended up being just one of the things that came uh. along with act, actual change. Yeah, it's not, I mean, uh. yoga, it's funny, because at least you don't go into it thinking you're about to be rich. So I was like, I could go into it honestly, but OK, well, what is the point? The point is not to make money. The point is to get Black people, literally simply. That was my goal, to get Black people to do yoga. Simple, very simple. And so from that came money, came opportunities to work with other children, came opportunities to talk in spaces where I had been marginalized, came all these opportunities that a very simple goal of getting something done that ultimately we're getting done. If you look up trap yoga online, or if you look up, you know, that community, you'll find hundreds of black teachers with an opportunity to teach a class that resonates with them. They wouldn't have even been teachers in a lot of these circumstances had they not heard of the things that we're doing. And so I think for me that, um, That is so much more valuable and why I do it than, you know, anything that traditionally would spur people to go and change something or do something um, different. And Mm. I couldn't see that even happening without um, time. I I had to watch it develop. And I think that's what makes people nervous because you're becoming a creator, right? Once you feel something and you change something and you're trying to do something, you're, you're using your God-given talents to create something new. That process requires faith on a level that, you know, requires you to still keep your emotion in. It requires you to still be cognitively there. It requires you to make smart decisions and recognize, you know, you have to be honest Mm -hmm, with yourself. mm -hmm. But you have to be vulnerable ultimately at the end of the day and and then surrender to whatever it takes for you to get the change. And that is hard for people to do because we think in our ego we're fearful. And our ego says, I am this or I don't want that or I do want this or I'm afraid of that and all of those different ideas are ignorance. And so as you kind of pull that ignorance away, you get to see what's actually there. And then from there, you can either build up, you know, or you can um, change things. Like for me, I don't, like I said, I didn't think I would make money. That does not mean I want to be broke. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. And I love that that. you said that because, you know, you were just talking about how, you know, and, and I love the three words that you use, you know, time, vulnerability, and surrender because Mm -hmm. you know and i've said this so many times the audience are probably like so sick of me saying it but there's this idea of the overnight success but it's the overnight success that took 20 years but no one was there watching the 20 years they just see someone on the scene but they don't know what was involved you know what i mean like Uh the vulnerability that comes with saying you know like brandon just so eloquently put it his big (laughs) why was i want to teach black people yoga so they can heal themselves like Mm -hmm. and that answered something that made him that made the fire inside of him so great that Mm -hmm. he just went towards that right he wasn't running away from something else he wasn't like oh god i really don't want to do this so maybe i'll try that it was like yo i really want to do this so he went after that and then he surrendered he said listen I'm going to let it develop. It may not look... I may not know how it's going to look. It may not look how I want it to look right now. But I have to commit to going through the motions and the time for it to develop, for it to percolate, you know? For it to brew so it can become what it currently is. Now, um, you grew up in Boston.
1: No, 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 no. No, in Atlanta. Atlanta. You grew up in In Atlanta. Atlanta, Talk to me a little
0: bit about, you know... You know, if you could talk to young Brandon, right, and tell him, you know, a little bit about what was coming in the future, what would you say and what do you think his reaction would be?
1: Um, I don't know, honestly. It's funny because I I, I do, I used to do this as a kid. I used to read uh, Goosebumps books when I was like eight or nine and all the kids in Goosebumps books are like 12 and 13. And so I used to imagine like, yo, when I'm 12 or 13, what will I be like? Like these kids you ride bikes and stuff. And I'm just, you know, <laughs> and so I by the time I was 12 and 13, I realized I had so I would I had so undershot what I thought I was gonna be doing. Like I was like, oh well, I'll be able to stay up until like 7 30. Like, you know, like so much <laughs> more than that. You know, and so I think if I showed myself if I show myself me now. Compared to then, I think it would just complete. Uh, my, I think my head might explode. Like I didn't imagine. One, I didn't. I wouldn't have even known to start to tell you what yoga was. Say when I was sixteen, let alone you know like twelve or younger. And so, um, if I had to give myself any advice, I would just be like, I, mean, I would, I would tell myself to be confident in who I am, um, because ultimately at the end of the day, everything that has ever been something that i needed to rely on i had already i just had to go back and kind of remember what that was and 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 how to to bring it up in myself and so having faith in my ability um and and i mean ultimately that's where i'm at now is 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 the fruit um that i would be seeing at that point like at this point i do what i exactly what i want to do every day i mean it's, and it because it's in the lane of like me building the business that I decided to create and I set up a lifestyle that's like that. I think that I would encourage myself to know that going in that I'm, I'm able to develop and direct my life in a way that's going to be best. Um, and not thinking that I have to be good enough or, um, really, I mean, not that you don't, you know, but not thinking that I have to, I I have requirements that I don't have or cannot have, um, ready to, to be fully free and to live a life that is, you know, fulfilling my dreams. As I remind myself that you have it already, just be patient and be steady and be calm and you'll be all right. Um, and I think that those lessons, ultimately, those are the biggest lessons that I learned. Mm. That I was putting, putting things outside of myself, even just, even in wanting to, even wanting to see the change that I wanted to see, you know, I had to go through understanding that, okay, it's very simple. That's what you want. You just have to do it, and so that simplicity requires so many other things that require you to just steadily and simply believe and step put one foot in front of the other um that it can be hard, you know I think change is easier to create when you just do it and don't you know necessarily think about what it's gonna be like or how or you know wonder and put your ego in front of it. so I would just mm-hmm. remind myself to be steady, be focused, um have faith, and um and yeah, I mean, just and, and just believe, really believe. Just believe. Mm. Go for it and believe.
0: So, Brandon, first of all, it has been such a pleasure having you on. You have really yeah. dropped a lot of knowledge that is universally applicable to anybody listening about really dedicating yourself to answering the question the big question you know that thing that keeps popping you up as some people call it your big hairy audacious goals right yeah, like yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah, that yeah, big life. intent that is like you know keeps coming into my mind that I should do this and following that and you know you're so honest about the vulnerability and the surrender that's required to build that and you know about the bravery that's also required to to identify a need And then attempt to fill it um, in an industry or an environment. You know, that's a huge, big risk. So and, and then you've shared, you know, so much about just believing in yourself. And I love what you said about just go back and remember who you are. Like no Mm -hmm. matter who you are, when the time gets tough, just get still and go back and remember who you are. There's a likely to be evidence there to suggest that you can survive and overcome whatever you're challenged with in that moment. And You
1: know, it's funny. I think the evidence that we overlook often is not even the circumstances that we're aware of, but the fact that you're able to cognitively sit back and look at yourself and uh-huh. analyzing yourself and recognize that things are right or wrong and so after a while you realize that you're consistently changing you're consistently growing and so even the things that you think that you don't have because you don't have experience left yet you still are able to suppose that you need the experience and therefore know that you should go through with it so it's not always thinking like oh i know who i am you gotta like fill in this false idea of ego of i uh-huh. am this big bad person no you're you know i know that means that I exist. That means that I can look back on me as a thing and figure out how I could change that thing mm-hmm. and develop in the future. And that faculty alone is what separates us from dogs and lets us, you know, be able to create things and do things on a social level that resonate in ways that um, affect everyone on the planet. So, I would say do that. No, like it's a it's a quiet thing you're looking for when you're looking at who you are, right? Mm-hmm. It's a small, small voice in the back that's like, hey, you know, you you got it. You know, like, that's what you listen to and hold on to and keep going with.
0: Yeah, and don't be afraid when that exploration of who you are also lets you know who you're not. Yeah, you know, absolutely. because that's yeah. that's also important data so yeah. Brandon man like I said you've given us so much right but let's say there's been someone that's listening that is so fired up right now that is like oh my god this mm. is exactly what I needed to hear today like okay and they want just one more piece of advice like if they yeah. were like man I want to you know not necessarily be Brandon but I want to aspire to accomplish you know this balance this this manifestation of the life that I want right being in the winner's circle, what would be that one last piece of advice you would give the listener?
1: It's funny you asked me this question, because I never understood this phrase until you just asked that question. But it's the right phrase. Um, Kill your idols, right? And so I say kill your idols, right? Kill your idols. They They say, if you see Buddha on the street, stop him and kill him or something like that. Kill your idols basically means that if you idolize me or someone else, you need to go try and do everything. It, you need to really distill whatever feeling I gave you and do it better. Right. Do it better. So it's like it's I don't know how when I say kill your idols, it doesn't mean like now you get to go to Howard University and decide to make a yoga student. Yeah, exactly. Did, exactly. That's not what I mean at all. That's not what I mean at all. Do whatever it takes for you to look at look back on your idea of me and think, wow, yeah, that was cool. But like I have defined myself so well that I no longer want to be like anyone else. And that requires, like I said, that same sense of vulnerability, but it gives you a basis to start with. So if you see me and you're like, yo, I like how that guy does forearm balance. You go and you do it, right? You go and you specifically say, that's what I want to do. You go and you try it. Then you get forearm balance. And while you may relate to me now, or you may um, appreciate more what I've done as far as my work, you'll recognize that what what you're really looking for is your work. What you really, really want is what really makes you feel good is what you've done. And so then I become less of an idol and more of a peer, right? Uh-huh. Because we're all peers. The only thing that changes us from being peers is because we're all alive. So that means that our biggest vulnerability is going to be death, which means that we, none of us is escaping this thing, right? And so it's <laughs> like, if you, everybody on this planet is ultimately your peer outside of the level of time and experience that they put into whatever it is that may make them an idol. And so if you did $20,000 worth of basketball practice and Michael Jordan did 15, you might think he's great, but that doesn't mean, you know, you put in the work you, you found even within that wisdom that is going to make whatever makes idolatry or whatever makes your aspirations or whatever, above a pedestal, you'll realize that the journey is what makes the person great. It's each step. Like Michael Jordan wasn't great on his sixth ring. He wasn't great on his first ring. He was great throughout and he kept his, it was his, it was the things that you didn't see that made him amazing. Yeah. It was his right? commitment
0: to his craft, right? The, yes. the commitment to always being improving, always being in a student's mind, never taking yeah. yourself so seriously that you think you can improve. Right. Man, and I, Brandon- think
1: that, that stuff, I think that subtlety at the end of the day, looking for those things that are not tangible are going to be what kills your idol, right? The thing that you make, that you put above, the feeling or the emotion or your life's experience that ultimately is going to pay you, right? Because I've gotten money. I've gotten big money before. And I realized like, damn, like this is cool, but this is just a check. This is going to pay something else, blah, 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 blah. What I'm most proud of is the fact that they thought that, or they they know that they thought is that my value is at this place compared to where it was before. Exactly. I I, I jumped out the gate. I need $1,000, you know, like I jumped out doing it for free. (laughs) And now I'm able to do the exact same thing for that much more. That's great. And so then that gives you the ability to acknowledge your own growth and then have humility to continue to grow. And so I'd say that would be my last piece just kill your idols, right? Really focus on not putting things on pedestals and recognizing that you have a peer within that person that if you put in enough time and enough effort, then you'll be able to understand
0: and do whatever they're doing. Mm. Guys, I mean, if you missed anything, the great thing is you can run it right back and listen again. Yeah. Because there's a lot here that really is applicable to any part of your success journey that you find yourself on. So if people want to connect with Brandon, if you want to, you know, just get a little bit more insight into what he does, Brando Flows on IG, KefraWellness.com. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Wait, let me, let me um, tell you. It's Kefra, Kefra, K I'm sorry, Kefra. P- yeah, I like to think of it like a, like an Amazon or a Yahoo. Like one day everybody will know what it means, but uh and it'll stand out for a good reason. Um but kepra, kepra yeah. meaning evolution. And so that's from the from ancient of, Egypt, correct? Yes, it's an Egyptian idea of yes. uh the Ra, the sun god, which was pure energy, producing itself from chaos or you know, this pure chaotic state that the world was in. And that process of creating yourself is called Kepra. And so through Kepra wellness I try to inspire people to create their best selves. Mm-hmm.
0: And so if you guys are in the DC area or you follow him on IG, you'll be able to see him. And are you going to be, you'll be in Atlanta for the moving art festival or no? I
1: will be in Atlanta. Yep. I'll be in Atlanta for moving art probably the 19th through the 21st. Um, it was a great festival um, that, like I said, we, I feel honored to be a part of because it would, it was, it, wouldn't, it didn't exist five, six years ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, there, no, exactly. There, weren't en- there weren't enough of us that knew of each other to have a festival. So I'm really happy to go back. It's year three, year three or four, I think.
0: Yeah. So you guys check them out if you're in the Atlanta area the weekend of April 20th. Or if you're in D.C., mm-hmm. look up Kepro Wellness or Brando Flows on Instagram. And Brandon, it was such a pleasure to have you. All the listeners out there, until next time, get out there, kill your idols, and win mm-hmm. life.